Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 225, Confused Because You're a Catch. Have you found yourself confused as a single woman or person because you think that you are rocking it at life and have so much to offer someone? You think you're such a catch and you just don't get why you're single and you also don't get why someone who you think is less of a catch has someone and you don't. So before I sink my teeth into this episode, shocker, I have a lot to say on this topic. I want to just put out there that there will be a couple of trigger warnings. One is I use an analogy related to my body. I also just want to put out there as well that this podcast is called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. Please use whatever gender pronouns apply to you. I am a straight woman who's moved through a lot of heartbreak with unavailable men. I was unavailable myself, then really worked on creating availability, emotional availability, and availability in lots of different areas in my life in order to not just enjoy my own relationship with myself, but then really be able to step up and attract an available partner like I did with my now fiance, Larry. So again, please use whatever gender pronouns apply to you. I also want you to just take everything I say, you guys, with a grain of salt. As I said in last week's episode, you know, I don't know your own unique individual circumstances. You might really know some terrible bitch of a human and she is with an amazing guy and you just know she's a terrible person and, you know, not fair because you know you're a really good person, right? It's like, I really want you to take what I say and use it to the best of your ability to apply it to you. If you are currently single and frustrated and stuck and maybe even pretty miserable about it and just over it all and you're doing all this work and it's not working, please just keep your ears as wide open as possible. Also, again, you know, this is really if you're tuning into me for the first time, but I I say a lot of kind of, what is it that I'm trying? Just very blunt things. And I don't want to upset you or offend you or hurt you or make you feel judged or like I'm shaming you. Trust me, everything that I talk about here and coach on here and offer a shifted perspective on, I have thought myself. I have done myself. I have been this way before, but my approach to coaching really is a tough love approach. I think I was a lot tougher and more black and white in my approach. Even just four years ago, I've deleted old episodes, as I've been saying lately in many episodes. I think there is a very fine line, but I have been hearing from several people 
clients, non-clients about how they just don't get it because they're a catch and they haven't found the person yet and they're doing all this work. And I just want to tell you what I honestly think and where I think your shifted perspective needs to go. And the last thing I want is to trigger you or hurt you or upset you. But I think it's important to say, and I hope that you are in a position where you feel ready to receive it. If you're feeling really raw about this because maybe you have some horrible enemy who's now with a guy that you would have like dreamed to have been with, maybe it's not the right time and place to listen to this episode. Again, I can't take care of every single unique individual situation because I don't know your specific situation, but I'm going to offer my thoughts on what to do when you're struggling with believing that you're a catch and it's not fair because other people are in relationships or not even that it's not fair. You're just like genuinely stuck and so confused and you want my help on it. So without further ado, here it is. So I tend to coach women in two camps. One camp where the woman thinks that there must be something completely wrong with her. She's unworthy. She's not lovable. And it's usually because she's been in an emotionally abusive relationship or several emotionally abusive. I couldn't (laughs) say that, but we're going to keep it in. Several emotionally abusive relationships. That was a mouthful. Or maybe they didn't get the love that they needed as a child. And it translates into their relationships. And they find themselves just struggling and unworthy and feeling like they're not good enough. And then the other camp is who this episode is for, which is like, I'm so amazing and I'm so great and I'm really proud of who I am, which by the way, I think is so amazing. I love, I just had a new woman join my program. She was in a long-term marriage. Turns out he was an addict and was cheating on her a lot of the time during their marriage. And she totally knows her value and her worth. And it's just awesome to see because most people in that situation who I've come across, myself included, not that I was married before, but in relationships where I was cheated on, it made me think, oh, what does it say about me? So it really can go either way. And I'm always thrilled when the women who come to me and have been, you know, treated poorly and are struggling in their love lives, yet they still know their worth. So I want to be very clear here. I'm not judging you because you know you're a catch. I truly think that's great. And I think you should know that you are a catch. But something I'm curious about is why is it then such a problem when someone you don't think is a catch has love? Or why is it a problem even if someone who you love finds love while you don't have love. And I want you to just really, like you should hit pause and really ponder that for yourself. Because again, I can't coach you individually here on this podcast. I would love for you to apply to work with me one-on-one or to come into my group program where a new student just told me she was so pleasantly surprised by how much individual attention my clients receive in my group program. So if you want my attention specifically on your situation, highly recommend you either apply to work with me one-on-one or to come into my group program, but really sit and ponder. Why is it that this person who I don't like or just don't think that highly of why is it a problem for me that she has someone and I don't? Or 
why is it a problem for me that someone who I really care about just started dating someone or just got married or they just had baby number two? They're just checking off all the boxes and they're, you know, quote unquote, a few steps ahead of you because I don't even see it that way. I just think society has impressed that upon us. If someone is engaged, then married, then has a couple of kids, they're like all these steps ahead and they're a homeowner or whatever that bullshit is. I don't see that. I don't see right now as someone who's newly engaged that my friends who got married in their late 20s are all these steps ahead because I just don't think getting engaged or married or having kids means that someone's further along. They're just married with kids. What does what does that even mean, right? And that's what I love so much about this coaching work is like, what is the meaning that you are actually making out of it? And know that it is just that. It is a meaning you are making out of it. It is not a fact. I think a big one that comes up for my clients, especially... Either way, whether they're upset that someone who they think isn't a catch found someone or someone who they love found someone is, well, it just makes me think that I'm not going to find my person. And I just did a post on this today on my Instagram. Follow me at Claire the Heartbreak Coach if you don't already. And I just want you to think about the literal math of that. How does someone in your life who has found love, whether you love them or don't love them or think highly of them or don't think highly of them, what does that actually have to do with you and your love life? Absolutely nothing. There are billions of people in the world and they have found love on their own timeline and it has nothing to do with you finding love on your timeline. So I'm going to let you noodle on that and really think about the math of that. And then another aspect of when we're upset that someone who we don't think is a catch found love or someone who we don't like has found love is that we get caught up in how not fair that is. And again, that's just really a story. How is it unfair that someone else has love and you don't? What does that have to do with anything? If you just really stop to pause and analyze what that actually means, and I know the storyline there, but I'm a much better person. I'm much kinder. I have so much more going for myself. This person isn't that great. Someone literally said that to me this week. Like people that I see that just like aren't that great. And I would just again, no judgment because I've been there where I'm like, why does that bitch have someone and I don't? I get it, but it really isn't serving you. And so I'm really pushing you to pause and look at what does that have anything to do with you? Because at the end of the day, when you're begrudging someone else and or thinking you're better than them, or you believe it isn't fair that she has someone and you don't, your energy is focused on that versus focusing on aligning yourself with your ideal person. I'm going to say that again. When you're begrudging someone else and or thinking you're better than them, or you believe it isn't fair that she has found someone and you don't, you are putting that energy into not fair versus really putting yourself out there and just focusing on yourself and finding your ideal person. Now, there is a, of course, we're human element to this. You know, I have women in my group who are doing incredible work and are, I love Brene Brown's phrase, who are in the arena 
getting back up on the horse, intentionally swiping, really committing to their belief man plans, which I teach them how to do in the program, managing their minds, feeling discouraged, getting back up on the horse again, looking at their triggers, moving through them so beautifully. And I think that there's a time and a space for that. But when people are telling me this as if it is a fact, right? It's just facts. These people aren't catches. I am a catch. What gives? I think you're falling into, dare I say, a little bit of dangerous territory. And I would call that territory entitlement. So again, trigger warning, I'm not judging you. I hate when I recognize that I'm being entitled but it is, yeah, entitlement and jealousy are just not my favorite qualities. I like totally own my anger default. Maybe it's because I'm a proud Irish woman. I don't know. I'm not afraid of my anger. I have so much compassion for my anger. I don't love my entitlement. So again, if that triggers you, I apologize. But I think we need to look at it because that's what it is, right? I'm a catch. She's not. And so what the fuck? Why haven't I found my person? That is entitlement. And I know that this is difficult work. I know that this is triggering. I know that this isn't the fun part. But if we don't look at it, how are we going to move through it, diffuse it, and get rid of it? Because, because again, I just said, I totally embrace that I've got an Irish fiery, angry side that I talk about very openly, not just this episode, many episodes, and I'm very open about with my clients. But it's something that I have to navigate and move through. And sometimes it serves me and sometimes it doesn't serve me. And it's something that I have to really pay attention to, especially when it comes to my personal life and my professional life, not even just my relationship with Larry, but family relationships, friendships. I I can get pretty fiery pretty freaking quickly. And that is something that I have to manage. I don't think that entitlement is something that that eats at me a lot. But when it's there, I don't love it. And it's important to look at and recognize because I don't know, maybe someone could tell me there is a time and a place when entitlement serves you. I don't really think entitlement really serves. I definitely don't think entitlement serves in your love life when you think there's some kind of hierarchy in terms of you being a catch and someone else being less of a catch, because those are just two stories in and of itself. And again, I'm not saying you're not a catch. I'm just saying this, I'm a catch and she's not. What the fuck? Why does she have someone and I don't? Definitely doesn't serve you. Because think about it this way. Can you imagine if you met a guy and he's just lovely and attractive and you guys are hitting it off and, you know, the inevitable conversation of, why is it that you think you're single comes up? And maybe it doesn't come up exactly that way. But, you know, usually people are explaining their relationship history. And I definitely think as we get older, I mean, Larry and I on our first date totally talked about our past relationships and it felt really organic and natural and not weird or inappropriate. And it wasn't like the only thing that we were talking about. But I was really curious to know, how was this at the time, 47-year-old, totally hot, amazing, lovely, dreamy, smart guy who's showing up for me in a really lovely way? Yeah. What's his deal? Why is he single? What gives? And how do you have four kids under the age of 11? And, you know, what happened there? So I, I was genuinely really curious about that. But let me tell you something. If he was just like, 
yeah, I don't get it. Cause like, I just think of myself as such a catch and I do all this work on myself and I've got this job and I make this amount of money. And like, I think I'm pretty good looking and like, I've, I've just got like a cool life and I've got great friends. Like I've got so much to offer. I just, I don't really know why I'm single. Wouldn't that be such a turnoff to you? And maybe not. But this is my podcast, so not only do I throw in non-judgmental coaching advice, but I also throw in my own personal opinion. I would have been so turned off by that. And obviously, most people aren't going to say that on a first date, but this is what I talk about in the fall in love with you section of my program. It's called Becoming the Heroine of Your Love Life Story. And I invite each of my students and clients, whether you just own the course or you're in my group program and you're moving through the course videos, I invite them to own the fuck out of their love life history, whether there were parts of them that weren't that great in their past relationships, and maybe they were also victims in past relationships, and total ownership of why they're single now I don't know why, because I'm doing the work and I'm amazing. So I'm not really sure. I just don't really get it. Yeah, I guess like God is just like really throwing me a curveball here and like having all this confusion around it for me personally. And again, I'm just throwing it out there. I just thought Larry's humility about being single and where he was at in his life was really beautiful. I still felt like he was confident in who he was and confident in what he had to offer. And I really loved how proud he was of his four kids and how quick he was to show me pictures of them and share about each of them. And really, I always felt like he thought his kids were just a bonus for me, not like, oh, God, what's she going to think? I mean, he had moments where he was like, is she going to be willing to sign up for me in my life? But he thought he and they had so much to offer, but it wasn't like, what the fuck? We're so amazing. How could you not want me? And how could you not want them? It was just like, yeah, I love my kids. I'm confident in who I am and I have a lot to offer. And I hope that you would sign up for that too. And obviously it didn't come out in that way, but that was the energy that I was getting. And so I think it really helps to own the fuck out of your love life history and know why you are exactly where you are. Now, some people might say, well, I don't know why I am exactly where I am. I don't get it. Like I'm legit confused. I had a client who I was just working on this with recently and it's like, guess what? You just get to decide. You get to decide why you are single right here, right now. And you can love your reasons for being single, or you can hate your reasons for being single, or you could continue down the, I don't get it. I don't know why, you know, road, which just only leads to, I think, continued confusion, tossing hands up in the air, swiping and searching for people from this really confused, doubtful, I don't get it place. So, Not that Larry interviewed me, but I had done that work. I had become the heroine of my love life story. By the time I met Larry at 38, I thought I was a fucking catch. I finally felt like I have my shit together. I have this amazing business, heartbreak coaching business. I lived in this beautiful apartment in Beverly Hills. I finally loved who I saw in the mirror. I was fucking in love with my schedule. I was very busy, but I was working out 
you know, regularly. I was eating super healthy. I just had a really full life in LA. I was just so content in who I was. And I had purposefully taken five months off from dating in 2019 before I met Larry in September of 2019. And I was just like, yeah, I I was in a bunch of fucked up relationships. I gave a lot of unavailable people a lot of time and energy. I didn't recognize how unavailable I was being with myself. I took a long time to get over idiots because I didn't have the tools that I now have. And I'm really clear about who it is that I'm looking for, the kind of relationship that I want. And now I'm ready and actively searching and really partaking in that search. I'm not sitting around waiting for someone to find me. I'm not waiting for someone to come up to me at a bar. I'm actively swiping every day, totally owning my singledom, totally owning my love life history, totally owning who I am, and totally clear about who he is and what I'm looking for and unattached to the when and the how. So much so that at 38 years old, when I still thought I was planning on being a biological mom for the most part, And when I say for the most part, it was just like I had to look at, you know, where I was at. I'm 38. I'm single. And I think I want kids. I know for sure I do with the right person. But what if I don't meet him till 45? I was okay with that because I was loving my life so much. And I truly believed in this work. My thoughts create my results. And I'm going to keep aligning my mind as a woman in her ideal relationship. And I'm going to keep actively, consistently finding, searching for him. And I'm willing, this is a big one, I'm willing to let my heart get broken multiple times again. Please go back to episode five and a bunch of my earlier episodes because I got my heart broken many times throughout my 30s and in my 20s. And I was willing to do that again and again and again and again and again until I found the right person because my desire to be in my most ideal relationship for a lifetime was stronger than my fear of getting my heart broken again. My desire to be in my most ideal partnership for a lifetime was stronger than my fear of getting my heart hurt again. And that heartbreak, that heartbreak is the worst. This is why I do what I do. The worst fucking feeling that I felt multiple times and moving through that abandonment and moving through that insecurity and moving through the rejection and moving through the unworthiness and moving through the fear of will I ever get rid of this longing again and moving through you know, worrying about what he was giving to someone else that he didn't want to give with me and moving through the shame of all the things that he rejected me for in my head. I was willing to do all of those things because my desire for my ideal person was stronger, but I didn't get to control when he showed up and I didn't get to control how he showed up. I could only control my aligned mind and my consistent actions every single day. That included going back to the piece of being human, feeling discouraged, getting butt hurt, feeling resistant to getting back on the horse again if you had a little stint with somebody. I mean, you know, that's all a part of the process too. But notice everything that I just said about the ownership of my love life story, my commitment to my ideal person, focusing on who I would be when he arrives, focusing on the kind of relationship that we had and all the 
intentional swiping and being in my life that I loved and recognizing I don't get to control the when and the how. Notice nothing in that story has anything to do with what the fuck else is happening for anyone else. I don't have time for it. I just don't have time for it. All I can focus on is me being the catch that I am, staying in my own lane, eye on the prize, owning that, and let people find love as they may. Whenever it happens for them, let them not do the work and meet their husband at a bar when they least expect it and didn't want it. It happens. It happened to Meghan Markle. I touched on this in another episode a while back. One of my clients was like, what the fuck? Meghan Markle wasn't even looking for love. And then she literally met her prince. I get the humanness and the trigger, but what happens to Meghan Markle has nothing to do with what does or doesn't happen for you. And by the way, wouldn't ever want to walk a day in Meghan Markle's shoes. Like, how could you even want that life with all the shit that has gone down, whether you're a Meghan fan or the British press fan or whatever, right? It's like, be careful with who you are envying because I I don't know if I could survive what she has endured. And again, I, I don't know her personally and I don't know the whole story. And I, you know, I, I don't need to get into that, but it has not been fun for her to say the freaking least. Right. So it's like we get caught up and not fair. She has that and I don't. Well, yeah, you have privacy. You have freedom. You don't have like a bunch of people hating you and a bunch of people making up lies about you. I'm not saying that they're all lies, but even okay, that's an extreme example. Someone that you're close to. I mean, I had a bunch of friends getting married in my mid to late 20s. There are some marriages that I believe are still happy today. We're now in our early 40s, but there are definitely people that I'm like, yeah, uh, not feeling envious that I didn't check off the marriage and the baby box like you did because you're not fucking happy. And majority of the time when I ask my clients when they're, you know, feeling like they're left out, feeling like they're alone, feeling like someone else has found someone, I'm like, do you even want that relationship that they have? Do you think that person is a happy person? And sometimes they say, yeah, okay. But majority of the time, they're like, yeah, no, actually, I don't even want what they have. So be careful what you are envying. And again, bring it back to you. Love the catch that you are and keep your eye on the prize. I've shared this with my clients before, and I know I think I've shared this with you guys on the podcast you know, I'm a life coach and uh, in case you didn't know, and I have been building my business now for nine years. And I've been a heartbreak coach, specifically heartbreak and now finding love coach for the last seven years. And I have coaching colleagues who have become coaches after me and have already created multi-seven-figure businesses. I had an actress friend who got discovered by a huge agent when she was bartending in her early 20s. She wasn't even an actress, but, you know, they started talking. He was like, are you an actress? She lied. She said, uh, yeah. And he was like, great, here's my card. It was this huge agency that, you know, only the top, top celebrities are represented by. 
And next thing you know, she's in his office. She gets represented and she throws herself into acting school and she makes an incredible acting career for herself compared to me who came out of the womb just dying to be an actress and always feeding off of all these people who are just getting discovered overnight and oh my God, not fair or how cool, you know? Um, I think about my friends who have their dream jobs and this is the trigger warning that I was talking about before. I always wanted like a sculpted, lifted butt and bigger boobs. You know, I work my ass off at a gym and not currently right now. I changed up my exercises, but I work really hard on staying fit. But, you know, my butt stays the same. My boobs are still super teeny. And, you know, at the end of the day, It really just comes down to, you know, genetics, the luck of some people just being born into a much more comfortable money story. I think some of my really successful coaching friends, they're business coaches. So people feel more comfortable investing in business coaches if they're coaches themselves and can write that investment off with their taxes. There's ancestral trauma. There's, you know, just the luck of it that just happens. Like Pamela Anderson was discovered, I think, on a jumbotron somewhere at a baseball game, and then the rest was history. So this is where it's going to get confusing and maybe contradictory because on the one end, I guess it's not because what I said in terms of becoming the heroine of your love life story, you get to decide. You get to own your part. You get to also own that you were a victim in certain situations, which I'm sure you were. And then you get to decide how you want to be available to yourself now and how ready you are now and how clear you are about who you're looking for now. But it is just a story that you get to decide. But, you know, I don't know why someone who you don't think is a catch found her person. I don't know her story, right? I I don't know why I was born with the genetics that I was born with. I don't know why some people are born into wealth. Some are born into just extreme, extreme poverty. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. I think at the end of the day for me, we are born with what we are born with. And my guess is many of you are born into having more than most because you're listening on a phone or you are on perhaps a computer. But again, I don't know your individual money story, so please don't think I'm being presumptuous. But you you have something. But I, I for me, I have a I have a major feast and famine lack money story that I continue to work through that I think definitely has slowed down my journey to creating a million dollar business 100%. But I just work on that instead of being in no fair, woe is me, why do they have million-dollar businesses and I don't? And let me tell you something. Again, 38 years old was the first time that I met Larry. So I've been to many weddings single and been the third wheel, fifth wheel, seventh wheel, ninth wheel many, many times throughout my life in my 20s and in my 30s. And yeah, sometimes I felt like, oh, I just don't want to do this. Sometimes I just needed to stay at home and say, thanks, but no thanks. I'm just like not in the mood for being the third, fifth, seventh wheel. But a lot of the time I fucking rallied and had a fucking blast. And, you know, the story that I had, whether it was true or it wasn't true, but I'm definitely thinking in my later years with my LA crew, where most of them were couples, 
I really felt like the men in those couples of my friends, so my friends' partners' husbands, I felt like they did see me as a catch and thought I was amazing because now that I'm engaged to Larry, they're just so excited for me. They tell me they think the world of me and they can't believe, or not can't believe, maybe they can't because, because they're all obsessed with Larry, just like my family is. But they're just like, you guys are such a perfect couple. Like, this is such a great match. I just found him when I found him. It didn't make me less of a person. And one of those couples in that group aren't even together anymore. So who would I be to be envying and thinking, oh, they have something I want and that's not fair. It's just, it's energy that doesn't serve. And maybe many of you listening are like, yeah, yeah, I know. But Claire, I just can't help it. And again, that goes back to giving yourself those human moments of feeling the entitlement and feeling the jealousy and then allowing for compassionate space and then going, okay, well, what is my reality? I am single right now. I want to find love. And so how do I want to go about doing that? And I'm telling you right now, wallowing in the no fair, woe is me, she sucks, I'm amazing. So what the fuck gives isn't isn't the way. It just isn't the way. It's not fun it doesn't feel kind. And I would imagine that that might even bleed into like not the best of the best relationship when you find that person. Because that's another thing too. be careful again with what you're envying with other people. Because, you know, when people are like, they haven't even done the work and they found someone, I'm like, okay, so if they haven't done the work, how do you know that that's the epic relationship that you want? Do you want to find your person or just a person because other people around you are finding your person? I also don't, and this is why it gets tricky for me on these podcasts because I want to cover all the ground, but like Larry hasn't done much work on himself. He's just a naturally emotionally available, emotionally intelligent man who's just very high functioning and he's always operated that way. And when I tell him how in awe I am of him, that he can like show up amazingly with me as a partner and then really give each of his four kids so much love and attention and then really like answer all of his work calls and, you know, show up for the huge workload that he has and, you know, take care of himself and go surfing and do a little exercise, bike ride, go for walks, you know he's just highly functioning. And he's like, I just don't know of being any other way. So some people it just comes naturally to. But I also think, and I think Larry would agree with me, I think the reason why our relationship is so tuned in and really deeply connected is because I ask for it, I vocalize it, I need it, and he loves it. He loves it, but it probably wouldn't be something that he would think himself to prioritize, but because I prioritize it, it just feels really natural. He just always really meets me there. So again, you think, oh, these people are got together. This person got engaged. It's like, okay, how well do you know that couple? And is that the kind of relationship that you really want? I got to say, you guys, there were very few couples who I was like, yeah, couples goals for me. I could think of one, two, three, four. Hmm. Yeah. 
maybe four or five couples in my life. And by the way, I have a lot of friends <laughs> moving through my 20s and my 30s. Four or five, oh, six, seven. I thought, yeah, okay, so that's a pretty good number. But again, another component here is pay attention to the people who actually have what you want. So the multi-seven-figure business coaches and coach friends that are close to me, I am going to observe them. I am going to pick their brains because they're my friends. Same with my friends in their ideal relationships before I found Larry. Just really being intrigued by how they operate, how they communicate, how they work through challenges together, what they do for fun. Are they still having sex X amount of years in? Like all of those things that to me are really important. And for me to look for evidence to support that it's true so that I'm reminded of what's so possible for me. Don't use what's happening to other people or happening for other people that isn't yet happening for you against yourself. Use it for yourself. Pick up, I say this to my clients all the time, you know, evidence on the freaking bachelor, you know, I know it's a silly show and there's a lot of bullshit that happens on the show, but there are some real connections that happen. There's also a lot of what to do and what not to do. And sometimes I'm watching these cringy conversations and I'm like, oh, why couldn't she just say like, hey, I'm really into you. I didn't love that this happened. What do you have to say for yourself? And sometimes they do say that, right? But, you know, I got really clear on what to do and what not to do throughout watching all of the bachelors over the years and bachelorettes and bachelor in paradise. It's like, oh, wow. Use what you're observing as inspiration, as evidence to support what's possible because there are a lot of deep conversations that actually do happen on The Bachelor that are real. I know a lot of them aren't. So, you know, again, edited, but or celebrity couples or just well-known influencer couples that you think is the real deal. Another thing that I used to do, and I, I can't remember where I said this, but when I was living in New York, I think I said it over the weekend with Larry somewhere. I can't remember. Anyway, I used to read the Sunday styles, the New York Times, where they would announce the wedding announcements. And I would look, and I remember doing this in my early 30s after my rock bottom relationship, and I would look to see the ages of people getting married. And I use that evidence to support that I could find love again. There were people getting married in their mid-30s. There were people getting married in their mid-40s. There were people getting married in their 50s, and they were announcing it on the Times, right? Like, you could find love at any time, at any place, and it's just your job to stay in your own lane and to keep your eye on the prize and quit worrying about the people that, you know, you don't think are great that have what you have. This is life. This is life, you guys. Everyone around me has something that I don't have that I would love to have. But what am I going to do about it? If I really, really want it, I've got to go after it. I am slowly but surely moving towards my million-dollar business, but I'm not looking to create a million dollars this year. I'm being strategic and I'm going at a slower pace, but I still believe I'm going to create a million-dollar business in a 12-month period. It's not my tip-top priority, but if it was my tip-top priority the way finding love was my tip-top priority, I would be doing so many more things right here, right now. And I promise you, I wouldn't be sitting around and scrolling on the people who have made millions of dollars and, you know, judging them and being in a wah, wah, not fair, woe is me energy. Because I know that that's not going to create my result. 
I am not here judging you. I am not here shaming you, but I am giving you some tough love of like, okay, what are you going to do about it? What does that person who has love got to do with you not having love? Absolutely nothing. It's like giving yourself, I'm giving it to you, but I want you to give yourself a loving kick in the butt to knock it off with the compare and despair and put the energy and focus back on you. Again, always a little wiggle room when you feel that trigger to move through it. But then going back to that question that I asked you at the beginning of this episode, why is it such a problem when you think someone you don't think is a catch has love? What does her having love have to do with you not having love? Really slowing down and pausing and investigating the meaning you're making at it because there are no facts that come out of those compares and despairs. No facts. Someone finding love, whether they're a catch in your opinion or not, has absolutely nothing to do with you finding love. And I love that you think you're a catch But scratching your head and just indulging confusion about you not having found someone because you just think you're so great. Again, if someone said that to you, right, if if a guy you were intrigued by was like, yeah, I don't get why I'm single because I'm so amazing, what would your thought be about him? Figure out why you're single and love your reason for it and own it. And if you don't know how to do that or you don't know how to stop comparing and despairing or you don't know how to not riddle yourself with frustration and impatience, then I hope that you would come and join my program where you would be an excellent company because this is what my clients are moving through and working through. You get to still be a human with a human brain, but I think a conscious effort on managing those thoughts and redirecting those thoughts and being consistent and persistent with putting the eye back on your prize as much as you possibly can while taking intentional, consistent actions every single day will be much more worth your while instead of the, I don't get it, I'm a catch, these people aren't, so what gives? Okay, so hopefully you are less confused that you are a catch. Sometimes life is quote-unquote unfair. I don't even like to use that word because I just don't think it's true, but, you know, for semantic sake, right? But what goes on with someone else has absolutely nothing to do with what goes on with you. Staying in your own lane, keeping your eye on the prize is your work. And owning and making peace with why you are single today and you get to decide those reasons and love those reasons while you continue your search and you get to love your own pace, you get to love your own journey. And I promise you, you are going to fucking love your love story when he, she, or they arrive. I love that I matched with Larry on a Monday night, swiping on Bumble while I was swiffering my apartment to Taylor Swift. It was fucking Bumble. Who cares, right? It's like the most mainstream way of finding someone today as I record this in 2023. I wonder what it will be like in another 10 years. But you know, probably the most common way that people meet. But my favorite part about it was the timing. What if I was over at my best friend Aisha's and watching The Bachelor that night and, you know, I wasn't swiping and then Larry wouldn't have been 
in LA the next day because he was leaving the next morning. So I'm obsessed with the timing of it all and the way our exchange unfolded and the way it kind of died down, but then it picked back up and how long it took for us to actually meet and then meet. And it was just beautiful and lovely and effortless. And I fucking love that it happened at 38. You know, he really was out of his relationship for two years or really it started to unravel two years prior to me meeting really officially out of his relationship only for a year. So if we had met anytime sooner, maybe it wouldn't have worked, right? The timing is everything. So all I can do is stay in my own lane and be alert and aware and actively searching and feeling good about me as a single person and not feeling rushed or impatient or frustrated or bitter about other people or bitter about exes who quote unquote, wasted my time because I don't believe in exes wasting your time. So if you want to work on healing that, I would highly recommend again, applying to work with me one-on-one or come into my group. I can't fit it all here into one episode. And you know that I have a lot to say about all of this, but the work does work, my loves, and making peace with what is while you keep your eye on the prize. I know I'm repeating myself, but I think that's what's so important about coaching is hearing the same thing over and over again and really letting it sink in and register as that being your truth. So you are a catch. Congratulations if you think you're a catch, but it's not confusing that you're single and a catch. There are tons of catches out there who are single. Everyone has their own unique individual story. Know your story. Decide your story. Love your story and keep showing up and you will find your person. And I'd love nothing more than to help you do that. So much love, my loves. Until next time. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.